Great to see you all this morning. If it's your very first time here, welcome to Connect Church. We're so glad you chose to come and uh, join us this morning. Uh, We've actually been talking about this idea of follow over the last few weeks because what we've discovered is when Jesus walked this earth, many of the relationships that he built with people in that day began with a very simple question, a very simple phrase, and that was come follow me, or would you follow me? So we've been talking about that idea of, you know, if that's how Jesus began his relationship with people back then, what does that look like for us today as we make the decision to, what would it look like if I was to follow Jesus? How would my life change? What would that do in my life if I made that decision to follow Jesus? We've been talking over the last few weeks um, to people who are considering following Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and this is something you've thought about, but you're still not completely sure. We've, we've talked to people who have already made that decision, uh, maybe somewhat recently to follow Jesus, and others who, uh, for much of their lives, have been following Jesus. But what does that look like today? What does following Jesus do in my life? So as we've talked a lot about this idea of following, I thought this morning it might be good to spend a little bit of time talking um, instead about leading. Because let's be honest, um, if there was no one to lead, then there would be no one to follow. Uh, We've talked about Jesus and his leadership, but I think as we follow Jesus, he wants to kind of raise us up to be better leaders, whether that's a leader in the home as a parent, maybe it's a leader in the community. You might be involved in teaching or coaching a sport, something like that. Maybe you lead in some capacity in your workplace. But we look to the example of Jesus as a great leader to say, what can we learn from him about leading? Because uh, if we truly want people to understand what it looks like to follow, then there's a sense of learning what it looks like to lead. Uh, There are some great leaders who have left us with some great quotes to give us an idea about following in the context of leadership. A guy by the name of John Maxwell, a big leadership guru, leadership coach, he says, if you think you're leading but no one is following, then you're only taking a walk. Okay, if you think you're leading, but there's no one behind you following, then you're just out taking a walk. Uh, A lady from my side of the pond, uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, she said, don't follow the crowd, let the crowd follow you. So in talking about leadership and following, she says, you know, you, you can either be following others or you can be out leading the way and others will follow you. Rosalind Carter, the wife of Jimmy Carter, she says, a leader takes people where they want to go, a great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but they ought to be. That's what leadership looks like. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, but um, just to set the scene, maybe even now you're thinking about um, your role in your life, the areas in which you get to lead, or maybe you're thinking about people in your life who you've had to follow, leaders in your life who you've had to follow. Some of us have followed some great leaders, some great examples, whether it be at school or in career or in college, wherever we found ourselves, there were people that we had to follow and we were inspired by their leadership. And then there were others, not so much. When I was 21 years old, 21, 22, I I was working for an insurance company. I was a salesman, so I was driving a car all week long, selling insurance to these different agencies. And uh, I just felt God was kind of nudging my heart. I felt like uh, he was prompting me to to quit my job and to join this program. It was called Ace Teams back in England. And it was a year-long program for young adults. And during this program, we got to learn about what it looked like to be in ministry, to work in churches. And we learned to together as young adults, as teams, and then we were put onto teams and sent out, we would work in churches, and the the whole program lasted a year. It was a great experience, 
But the year I joined, it was actually the last year they did this. They changed things after my year, typical. But the year I joined, they were still following this, this format where if you wanted to come back and do a second year and lead a team, here was the requirements, okay? Who wants to come back and lead a team? That was it. If, if you raised your hand, you're in. So what ended up happening, instead of any kind of leadership training, instead of any kind of, you know, okay, we're going to look for the leaders here to bring back. It was literally, if you've got nothing else to do next year, come back and lead a team. So I joined the program. There were four leaders. All four of them were younger than me. And um, one of them was brilliant. Great leader. I mean, obviously, just, you know, you could tell he had this leadership gift. He was just awesome. The other three... Not so much. And here I am, this 21-year-old young man, and I've got these 18, 19-year-olds who are my leaders. And just from day one, there was just this, you know, we were buying heads and there was just problems. And we'd only been there about a week. And uh, we, there was about 25 students on the program. We had these two 15-passenger vans. And anytime we wanted to go anywhere, uh, we all loaded up in these 15-passenger vans. And there were two of us on the program who were over 21. And in order to drive these vans, you had to be over 21. So there were only two of us could drive these vans. So rather than just let us drive the vans, these leaders, they came to us and they said, okay, we're going um, to you know, talk to you guys about driving these vans, but we need to do a test first. I'm going to take you out on like a little driver's test just to make sure that you are capable of driving this van. I'm like, I just finished a job where I was literally driving for a living. I'm pretty good at driving. He's like, well, I just need to see that. So I was like, okay. So we get in this van and we drive around that community for about 15 minutes. I mean, I, I'm, I've been driving for years. It's not difficult. I pull up and this guy, this, this leader, one of the poorer leaders, he said, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to fail you. You're not, you're not going to get to drive. And I laughed because I thought he was kidding. <laughs> Straight faces like, yeah, no, you, you, you kind of had me nervous on a couple of those turns back there. I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I knew this guy. There's, there's already, we, we butted heads over a few things. I was like, all right, whatever. Well, a few hours go by, and he talked to the other leader who was the better leader. And the better leader kind of explained, you know there are only actually two people who can drive these vans. And you've just told one of the guys who is able to that he can't drive. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about it. So they come back. Like, okay, so the same guy. I I'm going to let you drive, but I'm going to be keeping my eye on you. All right, so I just need you to slow it down a bit. You're, you know, I mean, he wants to make sure that still he let me know who was the boss. But, and maybe you've had a situation like that. Maybe you've been involved with a leader and you're like, oh, this is difficult. And it can be hard, can't it? Jack Welch, he was a very famous CEO of GE. And he said, before you were a leader, success is all about growing yourself. But when you become a leader, success is all about growing others. I love that idea that, that when we're stretched in leadership in our life, it kind of comes in two phases. First, there's the, the time, and, and very often, the, the time that we grow in those skills is when we're following. We've been talking about following Jesus the last few weeks, and that's a big part of following, but many of us follow other leaders in our lives, and, and there are things that we are learning about ourselves as followers. But then for some of us, there comes a time when we become a leader, and then it looks different because success is about growing others, helping others become better people. And today we're going to look at an account where Jesus taught his followers, in particular 12 of his closest followers, what it looked like to lead. You see, he knew that all of them, all but one actually, were going to go on and become leaders in their own right. 
Jesus knew that these were the guys who were going to go on after him and were going to lead in their own capacity. So he knew it was very important to instill within them the right values, the right knowledge, the right character, all that was needed so that they could be the best leaders they could possibly be. So like that quote from Jack Welch, his, his success was growing others, was growing these disciples to become the best leaders that they could be. And here's the great thing about what we're going to learn this morning from Jesus is if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, this is some great insight into what it looks like to be a leader. But even if you're not, even if you're still checking things out and you're still not really sure what you believe about this whole Christianity thing, I actually think there's some great leadership principles that you could apply in your life that could help you become a better parent, a better boss, a better coach, wherever it is that you currently lead, even if you're not a follower of Jesus. That's how valuable, that's how insightful I think these, these lessons are. This lesson is that we're going to learn this morning from the leadership example of Jesus. Now, maybe you came to church this morning and you weren't expecting to hear about leadership. Maybe you thought, well, you know, there's, there's plenty of other places I can learn about leadership. I can go to the bookstore and there's a whole section there on um, leadership books and business books. I could go to a college and I could take a degree. I could do some classes that would help me become a better leader. There are YouTube videos and TED Talks where you can go online and watch videos of people talking about leadership. You can even look to the example of famous leaders. We live in a day and age where there is so much video and technology that we can see leaders leading. We can learn from them. I'll give you an example. Here's a, here's a great leader. Many of you have probably looked up to this guy's leadership skills. And there's so much we can learn just from watching him in action. So check this out. Most sacred thing I do is care and provide for my workers, my family. I give them money. I give them food. Not directly, but through the money. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. There are 10 rules of business that you need to learn. Number one, you need to play to win, but you also have to win to play. You know what they say, fool me once, strike one, but fool me twice, strike three. Sometimes you have to take a break from being the kind of boss that's always trying to teach people things. Sometimes you have to just be the boss of dancing. The fundamentals of business. The fundamentals of business. Mental is a part of the word. I have underlined it. Because your mental, if you don't have a good time, you have to enjoy it. You know, the, the fun is in it. Oh, oh, fundamental. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> you know, we laugh along, and I actually think that part of the success of that show is that so many of us kind of chuckle and laugh because we're like, I used to work for a guy like that. I've seen somebody who leads like that. And that's kind of where the humor comes from, but there's so many ways in which we could learn about leadership, but wouldn't you like this morning... Wouldn't you like to learn what leadership looks like from a man who lived 2,000 years ago, 
who never traveled more than a few dozen miles from where he was born, who really, when it came to leadership, only poured into 12 people. There was a, a, a bigger circle of people, but the ones he really poured into, his team was a small group of 12 people, one of whom fell to the wayside. But because of his leadership, 2,000 years later, billions of people around the world have been influenced by the movement that he began. Are still being influenced today. That's, that's some pretty serious leadership. That's a pretty impressive record. I'd like to learn about leadership from that guy. And we're going to do just that this morning. We're going to get to to hear a story as told by a guy by the name of Mark. Mark was one of the four individuals who wrote about the life of Jesus. And there's a really interesting um, situation that happened one day. He's walking with the disciples. and, And out of a bizarre conversation, he sees a teachable moment to talk about leadership. So let's look at that this morning. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 32. It says, They were now on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. They'll hand him over to the Romans. They'll mock him. They'll spit on him. They'll flog him with a whip and they will kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Jesus is bearing his soul here. He's telling them of what's about to happen. This isn't far off in the future. They are literally on a journey, walking towards Jerusalem, the city in which this will all take place. And in the midst of this very intense, emotional moment, two brothers respond. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. Imagine the moment. It's so raw in this moment. He's just got done talking about mocking and spitting and flogging. And and in that, that intense emotional moment, James and John, they come to him and say, Jesus, we have to ask you something. What is it? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Jesus has been seriously? All that talk about whipping and flogging, and this is what you come to me with? Have you ever had that situation? We've had it as parents. Maybe you've had it as a parent where you've had one of those moments where you just felt, it's time to sit down with my kid, and I've really got to talk to them about something very serious here. And you sit across the table, and you spend a good five, ten minutes just really, just really pouring out your heart and diving deep into the subject. Maybe you're trying to dissuade them from a specific vice, or maybe you're trying to give them some, some advice to, to really take with them for the rest of your lives, and you really feel like it's a very special father-son, mother-daughter moment, whatever it might be. And, and you get done, and you say, so what do you think? And your kid responds and says, can I go now? Can I, can I go back and play my game? Can I go back stairs again and play my game? And you're like, seriously? I just, I just poured out my heart. I just told you everything. And that's your response. Was there, was there nothing you learned from what I just said? Did you learn anything? Well, I, I did learn that when you're really serious, your eyebrow does this kind of funny thing. It goes up. You're like, ah. 
It's infuriating. I feel like that's how Jesus must have felt. I said, guys, I've just been talking about this incredible thing that's about to happen. And the only response you've got is, hey, hey, when you, when you get to heaven, I, I know that you're going to get the corner office with the big view. I mean, obviously, we get that. You're Jesus. But uh, th- those next two offices down the hall, could, could me and my brother, could we have one each? Can we, you know, just right down the hall from you, a position of honor. Jesus shakes his head, I imagine. He starts to explain, listen, it's not even for me to decide who gets the place of honor. But, but what you're asking is a very difficult thing. Because what you're asking for, the way things work is, is those who have suffered greatly here on earth will receive the greatest reward in heaven. Those who have suffered greatly will be the ones who are honored in heaven. You're asking for a great thing here. You're asking for, for suffering. That's what you're actually asking for when you ask for a position of honor. And as Jesus is trying to unpack this and explain this, the other 10, so you've got James and John, two of the disciples, the other 10, they kind of pick up on what's going on here, the conversation, and they come over. Verse 41, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were upset. They were angry. Now, wouldn't it be great if the reason they were indignant was because they're like, James, John, come on. Show some sensitivity here. Jesus was just talking about whipping and flogging and, and you're talking about where you're going to get to sit in heaven? Oh, I can't believe you. But that's not the case. Do you know why they were indignant? Because James and John had got dibs first and they're like, well, where are we going to sit? I, I think they were indignant because they realized that they wanted to figure out where they were going to sit. They were indignant because James and John got ahead to the front of the line. And they were worried that they were going to miss out. And Jesus sees this. He sees the heart of James and John. He sees that the the other disciples are, are upset for the wrong reason. And he's like, guys, guys, listen. Let me explain something here. This is a teachable moment because despite the fact that you've been following me for a long time now, you're missing something really important here about leadership about what you think it means to sit in a position of honor. And this is the the introduction to, to, to what Jesus wants to teach his disciples in that moment, what I think we can learn this morning about what it looks like to lead through the eyes of Jesus. What being a follower of Jesus, who's in a position of leadership or influence, and again, I think if we looked at our lives here this morning, every one of us could find a place, whether it's as a parent, an older sibling, a coach, a boss, a teacher, wherever you find yourself, every one of us, leadership is that position of influence over others. Jesus is saying, you've missed it. Let me explain again what leadership looks like from my perspective. Verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. They're high officials. They exercise authority over them. So when I was preparing this message and studying, I found out that those two phrases Jesus uses there, lord it over and exercise authority, they're both taken from a Greek word. It's two kind of variations of the same Greek word. And it insinuates leadership. It kind of suggests the idea of leadership. But it's the only time you find this word being used in the New Testament. And it's because it doesn't specifically mean to lead. It actually literally means to abuse one's authority. 
to abuse one's position of leadership. So Jesus is talking here in the context of what James and John have just asked about sitting in positions of honor because they think that's what it's all about. That's the end game. That's the goal here. He says, listen, you're being too influenced by the rulers that you see around you right now who abuse their authority. Maybe you work right now in a place right now and you've seen someone who sits in a position of influence and you say, you know, I'm not sure what that Greek word is, but I think that guy's got it. I think he abuses that position of authority. I think that lady who I have to report to, I think that's her. Maybe you work with someone who who likes to make sure that you understand the org chart in your organization. Let me me remind you again, okay? So so there are these three people here. They're all bosses. But actually, all three of them, they report to this one person because he's the regional boss, okay? And and then he's one of two or three people, and they report to this person. And I need you to understand this, okay? Because you see how they report to this person? You see the person who's at the top? Who they all... That's me. Yeah. Let me show you again, okay? Because I want to make sure you know where I fit here. Maybe we know someone like that. Maybe it's not an old child. Maybe we just know that they want to make sure that you know that they are in a position of authority and they like to make sure that people know because they like to lord it over others, even abuse their authority. That was at the heart of what James and John were asking. Jesus, we want to, we're okay with this right now, but I hope one day we're going to end up, I mean, obviously you'll be at the top, but we'd like to be real close. Because that's what leading looks like, to lord it over. Jesus says, no. No, it's not. Verse 43. Among you, my followers, those who follow me, among you, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. So he's pulling the disciples together. He's saying, hey, you're fighting now over who's going to sit in the place of honor in heaven. But let me explain to you something, okay? Whoever out of all of you wants to be a leader, you have to have the heart of a servant. That's what it looks like to follow me. That's what it looks like. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus and you do lead in some capacity, then, then as you follow Jesus, this is what he's, he's requiring of us. This is what he's challenging us, is that the, the we are the kind of followers who don't rule like the rulers around, but who follow as someone who, who wants to be more like a servant. He goes on, verse 44, whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Now, I realize at this point in the message, I'm probably going to lose a few of you. I may have already lost a few of you because you serve in a leadership capacity in some way. And you're like, yeah, Dave, am I struggling with this idea a bit? Because I'm a leader, whether it's in my family, in my school, in my profession. I'm, I'm a leader. And when I think of leadership, I think of people like this. These are the kind of leaders that I look up to. Coach K, uh, Margaret Thatcher, Jack Welch. You know, these were, these were leaders in sports, leaders in industry, leaders in, in politics. And, and they drove things and they were strong leaders. And you're saying, Dave, you're saying to me this morning that, that these shouldn't be my role models, but instead this guy should be my role model? This is Jesus' high school yearbook picture. I don't know if you've seen this before. It's quite a famous painting. And it's tough because you kind of look at it and... It doesn't really inspire this great leadership like the previous slide did. 
You're saying instead of being a leader, I've got to serve or be a slave. I just, I don't know that that would work where I'm from. If I go to work tomorrow and I try to lead like Jesus and I try and serve, I'm, I'm going to get nothing done. It's going to take me 20 minutes just to get in the office. I'll be stood there holding the door open after you. You first. No, 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 please. You first. You first. I won't even get into the office. Then how can I lead once I'm in there if all I'm doing is serving others? Well, Jesus wasn't saying, you've got to be a servant. You've got to be a slave. He's talking more about the attitude in which you lead. You see, Jesus was a leader. Jesus led. Thousands of people came to see Jesus. Twelve people's lives were changed forever because of the leadership impact Jesus had on them. Jesus led them so well that they went on to be incredible leaders. They were the ones who who started the church that we're a part of today. And then under their leadership, more people were raised up. There was a guy by the name of Saul. He was persecuting Christians. He was a terrible person. And ironically, the people he was trying to round up and kill, the very Jesus he was persecuting, appears to him and changes his life completely. He realizes that Jesus is real. It changes who he is. He decides that he wants to be a follower of Jesus. He changes his name from Saul to Paul. If you're familiar with the New Testament, Paul wrote almost half the New Testament are letters written by Paul. But you know when Paul first became a follower of Jesus, do you know who the leaders were who helped him grow in this new faith? It was the disciples. The people that Jesus had trained to be leaders were now training a guy called Paul to be a leader, who then trained guys by the name of Timothy and Barnabas to be leaders. And and this went on and on. And we are sat here today because great leaders like Jesus led well and yet still understood what it looks like to lead and be strong leaders, but to have a heart of serving. To have a heart that that changes us. And I think this is the difference. I think this is what Jesus is trying to model to his disciples in this moment. I think this is what we can learn this morning from Jesus as we choose to follow and in turn find ourselves leading. What he wants us to learn is that we are to leverage our authority for the benefit of those under our authority. It's very simple, very subtle, but Jesus is saying, you've got a choice here. Disciples, your aspiration can be to one day sit on a throne next to me so that you can lord it over. Or, as leaders, you could choose to, to see your position of authority as a place where you can leverage that power that you have, that pedestal upon which you're on, that leadership mantle that you wear, as a parent or a coach or a boss at work, I'm going to use this to help those who I'm in authority over. It's simply having that idea of what can, what can I do to help you as a leader? What can, what can I do, those of you who report to me, those of you who look up to me as a leader, what can I do to help you? Instead of, what can I do to help me? As a leader, what can I do to to get further up the ladder? What can I do to become stronger and better in this organization? Because there were plenty of examples of those kind of leaders. Jesus said to his disciples, you've seen it done this way, but not so with us. 
when we lead, we lead differently. I've got lots of friends who work for a, um, a little company, a little local company here. They make these yellow tractors. And uh, several of my friends, they work for this, this large organization. And I've talked to them over the years about what it looks like to, to be a follower of Jesus and to work in a large organization like that. I'm sure it's the same in other corporations and other nonprofits. A little funny story, when I moved to America in the mid-90s, I didn't really understand the, the size of Caterpillar, so I had a friend who worked there who I, who I made friends with pretty early on, and then every time I met someone new who worked there, I'd say, oh, I know someone who works there. His name's John. Do you know him? And they're like, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of Johns who work here. Now, I will say the same happened to me a lot. I would meet people, and they'd say, you're from England? I knew a guy once from England. His name was Bill. You know him? Bill, yes. He's one of the seven of us that live there, and I know him well. But here's the crazy thing. I'll talk to friends of mine who are followers of Jesus, who are trying to lead like Jesus, who are trying to exhibit this example of this, this servant leadership, of looking to, to use my position of authority to, to help those beneath me become better people, to help them grow. And they say, here's the challenge, Dave. We work in an organization, and there are many other organizations like this. We work somewhere where there are bosses and there are people around us who don't lead like that. In fact, they lead the complete opposite way. It's all about them. They do lord it over. They do abuse their position of authority. They do stab in the back. They do whatever it takes. And you know what's frustrating? We see them do that, and we actually see them get rewarded for that. Some of those guys, some of those girls, they get promotions because they lead so well, and that's the way they lead. So it's hard when we think about this idea of leading like Jesus and serving and looking for the needs of others, when we see it rewarded the opposite way. But that doesn't mean it's wrong. And sometimes that's one of the costs. We talked about this last week, the cost of following Jesus. Sometimes that's one of the costs of following Jesus. It's like it's hard because there's a culture like this, but I also believe that Jesus has um, given me an example of how I should live and how I, the kind of husband or wife I should be, the kind of parent I should be, the kind of leader in the marketplace I should be, and, and it feels like there are odds with each other, and that's hard. And it may cost you to lead like Jesus. Now, I will say this. I think culture is changing. I think deep down in, inside everyone, there's a, there's a desire to see things done differently. While I was preparing this message, I came across a couple of, these are business books. These are, you know, you can go to a bookstore and buy these books. This is a leadership business section, not Christian in any way. But books like this by leadership authors like Simon Sinek and uh, Ken Blanchard. Lead like Jesus. Leaders eat last. The whole premise of these books is what it looks like to be a leader that serves others, that cares about others. There was a guy who wrote a book a few years ago. It's a very famous book in, in leadership culture. It's called Good to Great. Jim Collins, the author of his book, he talked about this principle of, of leading and serving. He talked about this, this, this whole chapter is on level five leaders. And he says, the great irony is that the animus and personal ambition that often drive people to positions of power, they stand at odds with the humility required for level five leadership. Level five leaders embody a paradoxical mix of personal humility and professional will. 
He said, these level five leaders, they're, they're unique in that they've got this drive and this ambition and this will, but they also have this humility and this desire to exist for others. Now, here's the incredible thing about that book. This wasn't an instruction book written by someone saying, hey, you want to be a good leader? Here's my advice. Now, what this guy did was he studied several of the most successful companies in the world at that time. He said, what is it that makes these companies not just good, but great? Because there are other organizations in the same, um, you know, same kind of companies that aren't doing as well. So why is it that they're doing well and others aren't? And he studied the different leaders and he brought out different individual unique things about each company. And in his chapter on level five leaders, he said, this is what I've noticed about the great companies. That they are led by these great people who are driven and powerful and ambitious and yet still have somehow managed to be humble and looking out for the needs of others and the company more than their own self-gain. And here's the crazy thing. This guy's writing this book, making this discovery just 10, 15, 20 years ago, like it's something incredible. Hey, 2,000 years ago, someone else mentioned this. Jesus sat with the disciples, challenging them on leadership. He said, don't, don't try and lord it over others. Don't vie for a position of power on the throne. We do things the other way. When we find ourselves leading, we look for ways to leverage that authority for the benefit of those under our authority. And here's the crazy thing. This, this comes from God himself. This is God's leading and God's direction. This was God sending Jesus to proclaim this message. I've got to be honest, as the pastor of Connect, I get to meet many people and hear their stories. And I love, I love, I love, I love hearing of people who, who have obviously got some kind of leadership gift. You see it played out in the way they coach the team they coach or the, the, the way their family is built, the way they lead in their particular organization. And then here I see them on a Sunday using that same leadership gift to serve, to help others to make a difference. I see them in the community making a difference. We got a couple that attend Connect. Uh, they're a retired couple. They lived a couple of hours north of here all their lives and then they finally retired and moved down to this area because their kids and grandkids are all uh, located here in Washington. He was the president of a bank there. He's a very powerful person in this community. Very influential, a great strong leader. And then finally they retire, and I tease them because since moving to Washington, I think they're busier now than they were up there. That's like retirement's when you slow down. Retirement's, you know, what you work towards so you can take it easy and enjoy the, the easier, quieter times. But these guys, they're super involved all around the community. They're helping a lot of areas. But they attend Connect, and they lead our financial peace class. So every week there's... A few couples, a couple of individuals, they, they come in for financial peace. They sit in one of our rooms here and they watch a video that talks all about, you know, breaking the chains of debt and getting financially secure and working through things. And sat at the end of this table is the former president of a bank with a wealth of knowledge and information. What a great guy to teach a class like that. And I love that someone who could very easily say, you know what? That's what I used to do. I'm done now. I'm, I'm retired now. I'm taking it easy. 
is not saying that. He's leveraging the power, the leadership potential, the leadership um, knowledge and wealth that he has to say, I still want to help others. I still want to use what God has taught me to influence and help others. Because let's be honest, isn't that what God did for us? Isn't that what God did for us? The last thing Jesus says to his disciples as he's explained this idea of, of serving is this. He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus said, If there was ever anyone who had the right to lord it over others, it was me, the Son of God. But instead, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Because as leaders, if we're willing to say, what can I do to help? How can I help you do better? Essentially, that's what God did for us. God in heaven looked down on us and saw that in our, the Bible calls it sin, in our sinful nature, which is just the brokenness in us, the tendency to do things wrong. And let's be honest, we all have fallen short. We've all messed up in some way or another. And it's hard to find fault because let's be honest, it's in us, isn't it? I know that as you as parents, you didn't have to spend many, many hours with your kids when they were younger really working on that whole misbehaving thing. Come on, you're not really grabbing that toy as angrily as you could. Let's work on that. You know, let's really grab that from your sister and really shout at them. They didn't need teaching on that, did they? It just kind of came instinctively. And God looks down and he recognizes that that sin has separated us from him and that we need help. And God says, what can I do to help? What can I in my power and authority do to help you? And the answer was Jesus. To send my son Jesus as a ransom for many. To bridge that gap. To be the solution to your problem. What a great example to aspire to follow. So what can we do from our position of power, from our position of authority? The way in which we lead in our families and our communities and our workplaces, how can we use that to leverage that authority, to leverage that gift that God has given us for the benefit of others? If you're in the workplace, we followers of Jesus in the workplace, we should be the greatest people to work for because everyone who works for us just feels that we want them to become the best that they can be that as leaders we're looking for ways to to raise up i i love seeing this happen at connect i love seeing it in connect kids as some of our leaders they raise up volunteers to become leaders themselves other areas here within the church other areas outside just seeing leaders saying hey how can i help you become the best version of you possible I love seeing parents doing it with their kids. That's what Jesus was teaching those disciples in that moment. And I think that's what we can learn from him today. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We've talked a lot about following and we've talked about following you. But the reality is there'll be no following if there's no one to lead. So even though you've called us to follow us, for many here this morning, following you will take us to a place of leadership where others will follow us. And Lord, we want to lead well. We want to be great leaders, Lord. We don't want to lord it over others and abuse that authority. We don't want to be like the disciples who are just in it for the the best seat in the house, Lord. We want to see this as a, a responsibility that you've given us to impact the lives of others. So show us, Lord. 
Show us as leaders how we can influence others. Show us how we can take the authority that you've given us and leverage it to impact those in whom we are in authority over. That they would see Jesus in us in the way that we lead them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.